Welcome, friends, to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Bob Thune, and I'm here with my friend and uh, pastor of care and counseling at Columbia Church, Dusty White. We are down a Chris Hemelman today. He's gone. We're down a Bethany Gilbert for quite some time. And uh, But on Wednesdays, we sit down to talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life. Today, we're talking about how to show up to a funeral. Why? Uh, because that's part of what we're living in this week that we're recording this. Um, Dusty's officiating two funerals this week, and I'm officiating one next week. And so I, I just felt like, man, you know what? I always, I need help thinking about how to show up to a funeral because <laughs> this is just not a space I'm good in. And uh, so I thought it would be helpful to make that a topic. And I've actually learned a lot from you here, Dusty. Uh, you're, you have a good presence showing up in these moments. I know that probably comes from a lot of years of uh, having to learn that. Um, but I, I wanted to share a story. Uh, you and I together, about a year ago, we had a young man in our church die uh, on a Friday. Um, and his parents called both of us. And I think you were at the gym. And I was in the <laughs> middle of a, a run to the store and, and working in a remodel project. And yep. so we showed up at the house together within about five or ten minutes of each other. And I just remember walking into that moment and being like, man, I'm really glad Dusty's here because I don't quite know how to bring the best presence into a moment like this. I, you know, I'm honored to be there. I'm a pastor. I know I'm there just to love and serve and whatever, but there's also this thing in me that goes like, man, I, I feel really ill-equipped sometimes to just show up in those moments and you know, you, you have this experience of uh, having been a police chaplain for a few years. And so you've showed up in some really interesting moments for officers and you have to do the house calls when, you know, there's, there's a lot of moments where you just have some experience here showing up in moments where you got to deliver hard news or where people are grieving. And, uh, so I thought it'd be interesting to talk about that with you. Why don't you talk a little bit about how did you, I don't know, what kind of experiences have you had? Well, I would just say, you know, even when you're referencing that, that time when we showed up to that home together, we're all, we're all in those situations at some point. We yep. don't want to think about them. We, we try not to think about them. We block them out. We hope they never happen. But part of living is also dealing with death. And so I don't know that anybody is actually really good at it. I think there's a certain type of, you, you mentioned the word presence. There's just a certain type of presence that we have to show up to. And, and showing up is most of the battle. Just getting in the room is part of the battle. Some of my uh, police chaplain work has helped with that. There is, there's training that goes with that. But usually those situations are always situations. <laughs> if you ever have a chaplain coming, it's not for a good situation, yeah. right? So there is some training that's been helpful there. But mostly it just comes down to, for me, it's always just come down to what, what would I want in this situation? And while we're recording this, you know, just this morning I uh, did a funeral yeah, as you mentioned, we'll be doing another funeral here in a few days. And I'm always thinking about what's actually helpful. And so we you mentioned in a sermon recently, Bob, that death is an imposter. And in your Philippian sermon, uh, and and that is true. We do not the living do not like death, but we have to face it. And we come alongside others who are facing it. And so we just 
we show up with a certain disposition. And if we show up with an anxious presence or a certain uh, a disposition that we're, where we're trying to be helpful with things that aren't actually needed right now, that is not what is needed. And so I just think we have to, we have to get into a certain frame of mind of what's actually helpful here, what's needed, what do we need to do? And often you don't need to do much, at least at the beginning. Well, and I, I suppose maybe it's a little different. What do you do in the office of pastor or minister in a moment like that versus what do you do as a Christian friend? But I think there's a lot of overlap there. One thing I noticed about when we showed up in the story I was telling a few minutes ago is that you, I always want to show up just with empathy and it makes me really sad. So I just find myself sort of like I'm feeling the sadness of the moment. I'm feeling for the people that are there. I feel like you have the ability to do that, but also go like, hey, here's something needs to happen next. You know, someone needs to talk to the people from the mortuary that just showed up or someone needs to talk to the police who are here. And you just have a way of knowing like, hey, <laughs> either delegate to someone to do that or let me have that conversation. I noticed there's this this balance you have of like a empathy, but also sort of like very practical ways of being there. And I wonder like, <laughs> what do you, what are the categories there? Well, so some of that comes off of uh, a little bit of the pastoral work married to the chaplain work. And you just kind of know, here's what needs to happen. These, these things are going to need to happen. When somebody dies, a gal in our church, actually a widow in our church told me shortly after we helped her uh, do the funeral of her husband after he had passed, she said, you know, the people who die, they get it pretty well when it comes to the funeral, especially if they're Christians. You're all of a sudden dealing with, well, I don't know how many bank accounts do we have? How many death certificates do we need? They're $16 a piece. We got to get one for every bank account, every life insurance policy. So, okay, that could be $240, right? So all these weird things, you have to start making all of these decisions. Yeah. And so I think one of the roles of a Christian and definitely one of the roles of a pastor can be, let me prepare you for some of these things. Yeah. Here's what's going to happen. We need to find a mortuary. Some mortuaries are good. Some are lame, right? Uh, so you just, some of it comes with experience, but you can help those who are grieving by dealing with some of those situations, yeah. right? Then there's also the people that kind of overfunction in moments like that and want to like bring the list and check all the boxes. And that's not super helpful sometimes because they're sort of like overly, you know, how, how can I do all the things right now? And, and you do a good job of reading the moment and knowing there's some things that need to happen right now. There's some things that don't need to happen until next week. Right. We had some people texting me recently about a young man and a, a young dad who had passed in our church recently. And there, I was getting pinged with some financial questions. And, and then one person was concerned about moving the widow out, you know, of her current home and she's not gonna be able to afford that. And all, and I was like, Hey, 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 we, <laughs> we haven't done a funeral, whatever bill we have now, we will also have on Monday. So yeah. let's just wait. So certain things need to happen and certain things can wait. Yeah. And it's just trying to figure out the discernment of how do I prepare the widow, the family for what actually has to get decided? And how do we, especially if they're a Christian, have this worshipful few days together? So the funeral you did today was a lot of non-Christians in the room. The funeral you're going to do later this week as a member of our church, probably a lot of people who are faithful followers of Jesus. What, what are some of the differences in, or are there any differences in sort of how you show up to a funeral where a lot of people are not coming in with a Christian worldview versus where a lot of them are? <laughs> yeah, today I, today I, I looked out there and I thought, 
I don't think any of these people have been in church. 80% of these people have not been through the church in a long time, you know? And so you can, you can kind of actually joke about that. They know that and they know, you know that, right? So you can kind of poke some fun at that. And I, I have two things in mind. Brian Chapel has always been helpful here uh, in his work on weddings. Actually, I've just applied that to funerals. You want to make, especially in a non-Christian funeral, you don't want to, I, this is what I'll do. I'll tell you what I do. I try to err towards what's some common scripture. So today I went Psalm 23 and we planned a service around amazing grace because I mean, People Psalm 23, and I even made this joke about Metallica quotes Psalm 23. So yeah. like everybody knows it, you know, uh, you don't have to be a Christian to know that. So, but I think you have this opportunity, you're confronting death in a different way in a non-Christian setting. But I think you have a profound opportunity to both display the gospel, embody the gospel, be confident in the gospel, and at the same time, not be the person who's taking advantage of the funeral to do some sort of evangelistic plea. And that's where Brian Chapel is helpful. There's, there's a certain line I got to toe here to make this appropriate and at the same time stand on the gospel. Yeah. How do you think about what that looks like? Well, that's why, <laughs> that's why I decided to go Psalm 23. This morning, uh, I had wrestled with it for a few days. Last night, I said, you know, we're just going Psalm 23. So that's part of it. What are some common scripture themes that I can pull on? know, that the people are just going to be aware of so that I can make them the most comfortable. You know, I don't have to like come up with some eloquent sermon and try to, they don't care about that. So what can I, what can I already, what do they already have that I can pull them in with? And then how do I confront them with the hope of the gospel in the tragedy of death? So Psalm 23 is helpful. How did you go about it today without being like, Hey, all you guys need to become Christians and trust in Jesus. Cause you're all going to die someday. I mean, that's like the very clunky way to do it, but there is, there is a way that we're trying to sort of like say that without saying it, or at least communicate in a way that invites people to think about the hope that Christ gives us in death, but that without turning it into an evangelistic rally, how do you think about sort of doing that? I say a few things. I, I always confront the reality that we're in. Like today we feel the sting of death and we are opposed to that. The living are opposed to death. And at the same time, you can say things like scripture, the whole narrative of scripture from Genesis to Revelation catches us up and offers, you use language of offering, the good news is available mm. to us. So you don't assume that people are standing on it because yeah. I think that's disingenuous. So you can still say though, the only hope we have in life and death is that we can belong to God. Mm. So it's the Heidelberg category, but we can yeah, it's belong the can. to God, right? Yeah. So you're not assuming things that aren't true, but you say things like, hey, Christian grief is not empty. It's hopeful. And that's the only way to make sense of death. Hmm. So you're basically confident in your own Christian worldview in front of non-Christians. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think it's helpful to think about, and it's interesting to think about sitting here in a church building that, that we've just hosted a funeral in and thinking about how much presence matters because it gives you a chance to sort of, I sort of think about it like this. I don't know that anyone's going to become a Christian at a funeral, but I hope we sow some seeds that bring them back or that make them interested or that make them curious or that they're, we open the door in a certain kind of way to the gospel, the people of God, the church. And it, it kind of does, like, like you just said, having Christian confidence just in front of people, being in a room and being a confident Christian, hoping in Christ in a room full of non-Christians actually does something. Right. I did have a lady at the luncheon come up to me and she said, 
I've been to two funerals now that you've done because she's like a friend of our family and she's been to two family funerals. And she said, if I was ever going to go to church, I, I told my daughter I'd want to go to that guy's <laughs> church. And I, you know, I joked with her. I was like, well, be careful. You're going to be at church soon, you know? So I think that's, I think that's a win. Yeah. I think if a non-Christian at the luncheon is still provoked, yep. then we're, we're almost doing our job, you know, yeah. we're getting it done. Dusty, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a gospel council or gospel coalition council meeting. And as part of that group, a lot of the men on that council are older pastors in their 60s, 70s, even 80s. And so they've had a long season of ministry. And we were going on the room and sharing, hey, what's, what's encouraging you in ministry right now? And this one guy who's in his 70s and has been pastoring the same church for over 50 years, and he's now like a pastor emeritus, you know, he's still on the team, but he's not full time. He said, you know, what's bringing me a lot of joy right now is doing a lot of funerals. <laughs> I was like, that's an interesting answer. But he, he just wanted to encourage us and say, can I just tell you guys what a joy it is to do funerals for Christians who you've discipled and walked with for a long time. And then they die. He's like, a lot of my people in my church are my age right. and a lot of them are passing away and I'm doing a lot of funerals and it's great. I love it. And I just thought, man, I need that perspective because it changes my mindset. I think we tend to feel the grief and the sadness and the heaviness of a funeral. But man, one of the things we can bring as Christians and as pastors is a sense of the joy of showing up when people have been Christians and they die yes. in faithfulness to Jesus. That's right. And so I was encouraged by uh, that story and by an older pastor just telling, reminded me like, Hey, one day I might be doing a lot of funerals and that's going to be good news. I'm going to, I'm going to get to enjoy applying the gospel in that season of life which is a little different from how I tend to apply it right now. Shifting from sort of the pastoral side of it, let's talk about, you know, we talk about in the intro to this podcast, we're talking about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life. For the average Christian who's going to have to show up to some funerals, you know, none of us love going to funerals. It's not what we wake up in the morning wanting to do. But when we're showing up and we're coming to the house of mourning, you know, we're going to a place where, there's going to be grief and where someone has died. What's helpful for the average Christian just to know about like how to show up in moments like that, or even in moments like you were talking about before, maybe it's not even the funeral yet. Maybe it's just, Hey, someone has passed away. And so I'm, I'm showing up to a hospital room or I'm showing up to a, a, a living room a few hours after someone has passed. And I, I want to be there as a Christian friend, but I want to be there with the best kind of presence I can. What have you found to be some of the just good categories that Christians need to have for how to show up in moments like that. What comes to mind there is Ecclesiastes 7, verse 2. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. I think the NIV says the living should take this to heart. And that's always, that's, that's helpful to answer that question. So there's something, <laughs> suffering halts us, death halts us. It really does paralyze us. It takes all of our self-sufficiency, which our culture really wants to amplify and, you know, applaud. And there's nothing like going to a funeral that will just stop all of that. You know, we're all confronted with death. So when that verse says the living should take this to heart, that's a very sobering verse to say, I need to really sober up here to what I'm doing. I'm going to either celebrate and grieve, and it's all clunky. It's all there. So I'm celebrating if, if this person's a Christian. I'm grieving. I'm lamenting. I'm feeling bad for, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that's going on in my head, my heart, my emotions. And I need to take all of that to heart as I enter into the moment. 
and I can, it's different than going to the grocery store. You know, uh, there's a lot of things we just do in our subconscious. It seems like funerals always awaken us in our conscience too. What am I hoping in? Am I hoping in Christ? <laughs> am I just assuming I'm going to keep living? You know, there's a lot of tragedy. There's a lot of tragic accidents. And so I think every time you go to a funeral, you can enter in with a check in your hope. Hmm. What do you, what do you need to have to be able to offer as far as your own presence to those who have lost someone, you know, to a family member? I always feel that sense of like, man, I just want to sort of be quiet with them, grieve with them. You know, words don't really help in moments like that too much, but I'm, I'm mindful that we're all feeling, we all, we all come into a funeral and everybody's wanting to interact in some meaningful way with the family, but also realizing like, I don't know, I don't know what they need in this moment. And I think that, you know, there's that social reality all around where the question is just like, what's needed right now? What does the gospel give us to bring to this moment that's different from how Joe average guy would show up? Yeah, I, I think words are very anemic at a funeral. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why you're actually thinking through, what am I saying? What should I say? What should I not say? I think that's what's so profound about even officiating at a funeral is I got to really like think through these words. Every word is kind of something to hang on, you know? So I always, um, and Bob, when you mentioned that, you know, that example of us both showing up at that home and you're just sad and, you know, your tears are evident there, I think that is speaking. And so if we try to get out of that moment Mm -hmm. and say things like people say, I'll just say this. People say a lot of dumb stuff. And I, I tell families this, people want to say stuff like he's in a better place. She's not suffering anymore. Okay. Those, those might be true, but that doesn't help the moment now, right? We're still here and the living still have to take this to heart. So I actually just say, Hey, I'm just really sorry. Like, I'm sorry. We're in this moment. Almost at every funeral, I will address the, the widow or the family or the children or whoever. And I will just try to call them by name. And I will just say, Hey, I'm really sorry that we're sitting here because I don't really have anything else to say because we all wish we weren't here, you know? So I think we can enter in with either dumb things to say. And I think those who are grieving see right through that stuff. And they're just like, okay, you're uncomfortable and that's not necessarily going to help me. And then there's other stuff you could say that's genuine but mostly just comes through with your presence, you know, it's yeah. less words and more just like, yeah, sorry. Yeah. It does seem like once the initial sort of wave of grief has passed, so we might be a few days in or we might be at the funeral or after the funeral, it does seem like there comes a moment for people where it's one of the helpful things is just to share stories or just to share memories or just to remember a person and like laugh about or cry about, you know, the things we appreciated about them. And it, it seems like, that's not always appropriate right away, but there does come a moment where like, that's kind of, most of the, you know, generally there's like a funeral and there's a luncheon and it's always at the luncheon where it's like, that's what you find people doing around the tables is just, there's a little bit more of a, man, here's a story I have about this person that I remember. Yeah. And I think that's healthy grief. I think if you catch yourself crying and laughing in the same paragraph, you know, conversation, I think that's healthy grief because we're remembering, we have fond memories and we're also sad that those memories are memories. They're not going to be relived. That thing is over. 
that moment is over. That person has passed. I cannot have that memory. I can't recreate that moment. We're not going to have another one. So I think that is healthy grief. I think unhealthy grief is when we're just laughing or only crying and we're only in our tears and lament and we can't tell the stories. And so I tell people, Hey, tell the stories. The family actually wants you to be telling those stories, especially once the dust settles after the funeral and all the flowers, all the funeral flowers that have bombarded their home are dying and they have to throw those out too. Weeks later, make sure you're getting together and telling the stories. Yeah. What do you think the gospel gives us here? Going back to a question I asked a few minutes ago, how does a, how does a gospel framework applied mainly to ourselves, not to the dead person or to the, the, the family, but I'm just saying as a person who believes the gospel and who's trying to live out of repentance and faith in Jesus, how do, what resources does that give me for showing up in a moment of grief that should feel maybe different or more spirit led than just an average human being showing up? How does the, how does the gospel give me a new set of resources? A couple of thoughts come to mind, Bob. First of all, Philippians 121, which you preached on just not too long ago, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's one of the first verses, you know, you memorize as a Christian usually because it just has a quick, easy rhyme to it. But if we really believe that to die is gain, I'm going to be with Christ. That's when, like, there's no other time than like at a funeral or I'm attending a funeral or I'm with somebody who has just lost a loved one or a child or a spouse or something like that. There's no other time than that verse coming alive to us. If I really believe that to be united to Christ is to live with this resurrected hope, then that all goes to work for me right there. And I think we have to bank on that. We believe in the resurrected hope and we believe that to die is gain. And so there is this sense of relief, especially if somebody's been suffering for a long time, like through a deep illness or something like that. There is this relief that like, okay, listen, we're here with the other parts of scripture that say, you know, like Psalm, the, the Psalms would say like, uh, maybe 70, 80 years, you know, like yeah. if you're doing well, okay, well to be united to Christ forever, that is a resurrected eternal life. So the very thing that gets us into Christianity, eternal life is the very thing that we go to a funeral with. Yeah. One of the things that's happened, I love our church because of our gospel community structure. And so anytime somebody passes away, the gospel community people are just like on it. You know, they're like, all right, we got meals. We got like, they're just like all over. How do we serve these, these family members? And so a lot of the questions come down to like, okay, Hey, what do we, what do they need? What do they need from Christians around them? Certainly one of the things they need is prayer and showing up presence. But how do you think about some of the other practical realities of like ways we can serve one another, not just in the moment of death, but in weeks and maybe even months following that? I think we have to intentionally engage. People are really good at the very onset. You know, somebody dies, so they'll, they'll engage for a couple of weeks with that person. And then, and then we go back, to, we go back to our normal lives. I mean, the reality is after a funeral, we go to the luncheon. We have some potato salad and we go back to work. I mean, that's what most people do. You know, they took the morning off or they, you know, whatever. And then they go back to work and they're sad. And a week later, you know, they might not be golfing with that guy anymore, but they're going to golf with somebody else. So we have to be mindful that like months later, we have to reach out. We have to engage. I tell people, remember their birthday, remember the day they died engage the family on those days. That's something you can do. That's at least twice a year that you can engage. And we, (laughs) 
we lose confidence. And so we just kind of back up, we disengage, we hope the best, we pray for them maybe. Um, but we, we don't just engage like, Hey, still have that person over for dinner as if their spouse were coming too. you can still do that. You know, you can still go to them. They can still come out with you. So I think that treating that person like a normal human being, but I would just say that first year, it seems like in pastoral ministry, this has taught me the first year, first two years, the dates of birthdays, Mm -hmm. death anniversaries, certain seasons, those get lodged in their memories pretty hard and they come screeching across the calendar. What are the different question? What are the best resources you found for those who are pastors or who are called, you know, who are called to show up and either lead a funeral or speak at a funeral or help think about how to plan a funeral. So that can be family members and, you know, um, what are resources that you've found that are like most helpful or good go-tos? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, right here on the, the desk in front of me, I have this book called funerals, for the care of souls, this comes uh, from our friends uh, who, Harold Sinkbile. Yeah, this is his. This is Tim Perry writing this. Sinkbile edited it. Uh, he was the general editor for this. This is a new resource, 2021, and th- it's less of like here's how to do a funeral, and it's more just here's how people think about death, and so that's a helpful little book. Mm. Um, the Valley of Vision is helpful. Um, it doesn't frame out a funeral for you still, but it helps you get some thoughts. Uh, and also the every moment holy volume two is on death grief and dying and lament um so i always just kind of lift things from there to help frame out phrases words that are helpful words i should use words words i should avoid Mm. and so i i let some of those resources eclectically kind of frame out a funeral for me yeah that's good any other final thoughts as you think about like just how to show up the, the one thing I would just say is like, don't be weird, <laughs> you know, like show up and be yourself. Uh, I, I often, the reason I'm saying, maybe that's for my own self, you know, like I always feel like funerals are okay. What do I got to do? You know, like this is like you were saying at the very beginning of the onset of this podcast, like, I don't know that I know how to do this space. Well, I, I think we get in our own head about it because funerals really awaken our conscience to death. And so we have to just still be ourselves and, we have to not be weird. We have to engage. We have to engage those who have been widowed or have gone through significant loss like ourselves, genuine selves, just, just being loving, being kind, being generous and engaging. So I would just say, engage, step into that moment. You'll figure out what to do in that moment once you're there, Yeah. but don't be weird about it. Don't overthink it. I tend to overthink a lot of things, you know, most people do when it comes to a funeral. (laughs) I want to take a lot. And I tend to do that in all of my life. I want to take very calculated risk, you know, stuff like that. And so I just have to force myself to just get in there, you know, just get on the field and figure out the play once we're out there, you know, good. The other thing we have to keep in mind as Christians is that it is a great joy to be united to Christ here on earth, but also reunited with Christ in heaven. And, and also you're only going to be getting older and so you have to get used to funerals. You have to get used to death and not in a way that doesn't keep awakening us, but in a, in a healthy, mature way. Well, listeners, I hope this helps you think about how to show up to a funeral. It's an interesting topic because it's, again, it's not something we like thinking about. And so it's not something we try to make time to think about, but just in light of what Dusty and I have been walking through in the past few weeks in our yeah. own pastoral ministry, it feels like, well, man, we, 
it, it would help us as Christians just to think about how do we show up? How do we be meaningfully present? How does the gospel give us a kind of courage and confidence and um, empathy and kindness in those moments that, um, that allow us to show up helpfully to our Christian friends and even to non-Christian friends who lose someone? So if you have uh, questions about this topic that you want to ask further about or uh, angles on the conversation that you'd like to see us take, as always, we invite you to, to reach out via email. The email is podcast at cdomaha.com. And that's where you can suggest future podcast topics or ask questions or give feedback. Uh, We love hearing from listeners and so hope you'll reach out. As we always say, the goal of this podcast is to equip our own church for discipleship and mission. And so if you are a Christian or a church leader in another context, uh, thanks for listening in. We pray that our conversations here might be helpful to you as you minister in your context. And um, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time another episode of the Wednesday Conversation.